Today's program was brought to you by Blueprint, the original juice cleanse program to offer different levels of intensity depending on your needs and current diet. For more information, visit Blueprint.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonnie, and today we're coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. Today I have a very special guest on the show, someone who has meant more to me and inspired me more than I can possibly describe, writer and editor Dominique Browning. Dominique began her career working for Savvy, an American photographer. In the late 70s, she became an associate literary editor at Esquire magazine and then became the executive editor of Texas Monthly in Austin. From there, Dominique went on to Newsweek Magazine, where she became the first woman at any news magazine to be appointed an assistant managing editor. From there, she founded or co-founded the Edison Schools, a company set up to privately manage public schools. And then she went on to Mirabella before joining Condé Nast, where she served as editor-in-chief of House and Garden Magazine until 2007. I had the huge, huge honor and pleasure of working under Dominique at House and Garden, which remains one of my best professional experiences I've ever had. During my time at the magazine, I was really blown away by Dominique's open-minded and forward-thinking approach to publishing. She was constantly thinking about the web and ways to engage and reach a broader and younger audience and how to engage everyone interested in good living. Since her time at the magazine, Dominique has published numerous articles for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Environmental Defense Fund, in addition to publishing a wonderful and deeply personal book called Slow Love. In 2011, Dominique founded the Moms Clean Air Force with the Environmental Defense Fund to rally mothers to fight air pollution as a children's health issue. But last week, we had lunch and discussed the ways in which the design community is infinitely connected to environmental issues. Dominique described the dangerous chemicals that are used in everyday home goods and ways in which we can band together to have them eliminated from the design objects we love so much. I am so excited to hear more from Dominique and learn about this very important issue. So let's dive right in. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Dominique. Oh, thank you, Grace. I'm blushing, and if I can return the compliment, I can't even begin to list all the things I've learned from you over the years. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, as I was a very lengthy introduction, I touched on this incredibly long and successful and meaningful career that you've already had. And I think a lot of people would just sit back and rest on those laurels at this point. But you have gone, um, started not just a new organization, but really an entire movement with the Moms Clean Air Force. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to the place where you decided to start something so important and so big? Well, you know, I, I love design, of course, and I began to think about how well-designed our universe is, our air is, our atmosphere, and I began to think about all of the stuff I was seeing online that people were selling to solve problems of air pollution, like air filters and, you know, things to clean, cleaning products that were safer, um, all of these things that, that would be 
answers to problems that you could buy, but only took a tiny, tiny piece of it. And I thought, you know, nobody's talking to all of us as who are regular people who care about these issues and who want to know how we can make a much bigger difference in getting poisons out of our air, both indoor air and outdoor air. And that was why I started Mom Clean Air Force, so that we could <laughs> start yelling at the government and <laughs> getting things done in a big way. I, I personally love listening to you yell at the government, but could you describe me? What are sort of the primary goals of the Moms Clean Air Force? We address air pollution in in all its forms, and so when I talk about air pollution, I think about things like soot and particulate matter, things like ozone in, during you know ozone days when we have to stay inside because the air pollution is so bad. And I think about things like climate change because climate change is really the result of an air pollution problem, too much carbon pollution in the air that's causing this extremely dangerous and wacky weather that we've been having. So all kinds of issues fall under outdoor air pollution. And the thing that's very exciting is that we can do something about it. We can clean up our air um, and we can protect our families and our children. These are major, major health issues. In fact, just today, breaking news, the U- a UN agency announced that outdoor air pollution is one of the leading environmental causes of cancer. That's huge. So that's the first part of it. Indoor air pollution is something that actually relates much more closely to my time in the design world because there are all these things in our chemicals, in our plastics and in our fabrics and in our sofas, in our foam. These are chemicals that are toxic. They're known to either cause cancer or to be what's called endocrine disruptors. They disrupt the way our hormone systems work, and they have a huge impact on babies and young children. Um, These things migrate into the air, or we take them in when we're breathing um, or eating, and these toxic chemicals have not been addressed since 1976. And if you're like me, I kind of thought, oh, the government's taking care of all of this, but they're not. They haven't been. And so we've, we've been involved in a huge movement to get our senators to pass better regulations for chemical safety because that's what causes indoor air pollution. Well, let's talk a little bit about that indoor air pollution and how that relates to the design industry. And I was so fascinated to hear so many of the things you told me at lunch the other day in terms of how couches and fabrics and things are connected. Can you explain to people who aren't familiar with those sort of toxins and the interiors industry um, what the connection is and maybe what some of the biggest problems and biggest offenders are within the design industry? Well, one of the biggest problems is something, uh, is flame retardant. Um, something that uh, shorthand we call TRIS. And um, it is in, it, these are chemicals, they're added to home furnishings, and they were meant to, um, to, to keep flames, obviously, from leaping to light, but they actually don't do that. They don't do a very good job of that. But what they do, chlorinated TRIS, migrates out of the furniture molecularly and it drifts into the air, settles in the dust, our babies are crawling in the dust, um, and they're ingesting it, and it's a very dangerous chemical. When it's burned, when people burn 
plastic or mattresses or anything like that. It's even worse. Um, many people in the design industry don't want this stuff in our furniture, but they have to do it because of this, I think, well-intentioned, but what ended up being a bad law in California. And because California drives so much of the market, people have to do what California says to do. The, uh, that that law is being, you know, looked at again, um, but what it means is that we've got all this poison in our furniture that we shouldn't have there. Mm-hmm. It's not doing Are a good any... job, and it's actually hurting us. Yeah. Were there any uh, sources of toxins that you were surprised by? I know when we were talking, you mentioned baby mattresses, which I think I'm still a little blown away by. <laughs> you know, that, what... what stuns me is how they are everywhere. And the point is that, you know, we're not chemists. Most of us don't know the names of all of these chemicals, and we shouldn't have to know. We should know that the chemical industry has tested these chemicals and proven that they are safe before they're put on the market. Now, they're put on the market in everything, school lunchboxes, backpacks, binders, our furniture, you name it, the stuff in it. And now these things are put on the market, and then they wait and see how does it do, what, you know, what does it do, how does it hurt us. And because, of course, there are so many chemicals in our bodies now, it's very hard to pinpoint exactly one thing. Mm-hmm. The problem with a consumer movement is that we can scream and fight about BPA, for instance, in our baby bottles. And BPA is a plastic hardener, bisphenol A, and it is an endocrine disruptor. It's a very dangerous chemical. And we got wind of this, and parents everywhere started saying, how could you put this in baby bottles? So manufacturers took it out, and they can claim BPA-free baby bottles, but in fact, they just put another bisphenol in there, and it might actually be worse. So I'm not saying all of them did, but many of them did. So these things have to be attacked at a big level with manufacturers at the beginning. It almost seems like a bit of greenwashing that people are kind of clinging to these labels that aren't necessarily backed up or don't imply that there aren't any toxins in things. For people who are sort of concerned about this on a much bigger level, whether they're parents or not, how can sort of your average design fan and lover find out what is inside the products that they're buying that they're interested in? Is there a website or is there a place to find what sort of chemicals and toxins exist in the products we have in our houses? Um, there are definitely there's information online. We have information. Uh, there's a coalition of um, of organizations that are very deeply involved in chemical reform, uh, safer families. They have a, a good website. There is information out there, and it's kind of like with food. It's best to stick to basics, um, things that that don't have a lot of weird ingredients in them, so vinegar for cleaning, things like that. But the bottom line is um, it is much, much more important for everybody. Come to our website. Go to Mom's Clean Air Force. Find our petition to tell your senator to work really hard for a strong chemical rule because that kind of reform is going to make all the difference in the world. These manufacturers don't have to tell us what's in their products now. An exciting development is, amazingly, uh, Walmart is about to launch a big program um, with manufacturers 
telling them that they cannot put toxic chemicals in their products before they even get to their shelves. And if that actually, um, you know, happens and has teeth, that'll make a huge difference for all of us. Yeah, that was one of the case studies I was so interested in when you were telling me that Walmart was about to do this. And I think a lot of people in the design industry kind of look down at Walmart and take this big chain and a big mass market thing. But for them to step forward and make a decision like that is really, really huge. And it kind of connects to something else I wanted to ask you, which was sort of European or worldwide markets versus American. And when we were talking over lunch, you were saying that so many of these chemicals are completely banned from products in other parts of the world, but they're not here. But there are companies who have a store in the U.K. and a store here, and even though they know that they're selling things they shouldn't here in America, they've gone ahead and removed them in Europe. How do you think that companies are kind of getting away with that, knowing very clearly because they've legally had to remove them in other countries that they shouldn't be selling those things? It's such a good point, Grace. I mean, they're getting away with it because it's legal. We don't have good chemical safe chemical laws um, because our laws were established in 1976. Since then, there have been tens of thousands of new chemicals um, on the market, and tens and tens of thousands were grandfathered in by the law. So Mm -hmm. it's legal. They can do things here that they cannot do in countries where there are stricter laws. So, uh, for example, just recently, Johnson & Johnson made a really good announcement that they are removing formaldehyde from baby shampoo. I was stunned. (laughs) Who knew that there was formaldehyde in baby shampoo? And, of course, they're claiming that it is not dangerous, but they are removing it, and they've already removed it from those shampoos in other countries. And that's the kind of movement we need to see, but we shouldn't have to be waiting for companies to voluntarily do this. We should make sure that there are laws that make them remove these chemicals that are not safe. What do you think is happening that's different in those other countries? Are people that are organized in terms of sort of organizing to talk to their government and make changes like that? Is Are the governments in general more amenable to preventing companies from selling things that are harmful to people? What do you think the real difference is that makes those things move maybe faster in different parts of the world than they're moving here? You know, it's a, it's a really interesting philosophical question. Um, in other parts of the world, there is often a mindset um, among the citizens and in the government that things have to be proven safe, that they have to show that they are safe before they are released on the market. Here, they are assumed to be safe, and then they have to be proven guilty. Of course, that means we are the guinea pigs. They're proven guilty on our bodies, in our children's bodies, in our babies' bodies. And that's a very, very different mindset. Um, The other thing is that uh, toxologists have really changed the way they think about poisons. And, you know, it used to be that you would think, oh, I'll never take as much of that, a dose of that chemical uh, one time, so, you know, it's not going to hurt me. Now people are understanding that a little bit over time can make a huge, huge difference. So a product that you're using every single day for years, something you're putting on your body every single day for years, that adds up and you begin to develop a body burden of chemicals. Um, 
So our mindset here is much more friendly uh, towards the manufacturers and much more trusting of the manufacturers than it is in Europe, where I think citizen safety is is stronger. So interesting. Are there any brands or sort of companies that are doing it right so far or that you're impressed with or surprised by, like I mean, Walmart being an interesting example of that? that are sort of leading the way with trying to strip these toxins out of their chemicals, or is it something that's still kind of needing to be changed? Well, you know, it's interesting. Walmart is at one end of the spectrum. Walmart is such a world market driver that when Walmart decides to do something, no matter what you think of Walmart, and we all know that there are huge problems there, Walmart, when they decide to change a formulation in something, um, Everything in the world changes. So, for example, when Walmart decided to uh, take water out of detergent so that you would have intense concentrated detergent, much less plastic, you know, et cetera, et cetera, it changed everywhere. So for Walmart to tell manufacturers, look, here are 15 or 25 chemicals that you cannot use, that's going to make a huge difference. So that's at one end of the spectrum. At the other end of the spectrum, there are a lot of companies, not a lot, but there are a handful of good companies, and again, you can find them online, but, um, and retailers like ABC, Carpet and Home, where the owners have decided we really want to make an effort to have chemical-free products or toxic chemical-free products. Um, so you can find a late foam that doesn't have flame retardants in it, um, which is a, an especially big deal in baby mattresses and things like that. Um, so there's like, but of course you pay more, even though they're taking something out, you pay more <laughs> for those kind of products. And it's very frustrating because it, everybody should be able to afford safe products. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. Well, I have so much more to ask you, but we are going to take a very quick break and then we'll be right back. And I want to talk about how this relates to women's political power. So stay tuned. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Blueprint is the original juice cleanse program to offer different levels of intensity depending on your needs and current diet. Designed to purify and detoxify, Blueprint Cleanse is made from the freshest 100% raw and USDA-certified organic ingredients, cold-pressed to retain nutrients and flavor. Blueprint also offers a line of organic juices, cold-pressed and raw, in a variety of fruit and vegetable combinations, and available in individual bottles. Blueprint Cleanse is available at Whole Foods Market and many other retailers across the U.S., To learn more about their line of organic cleanses, juices, and other products, visit them today at Blueprint.com or call them at 866-774-6831. That's 866-774-6831. Work hard, play hard, cleanse, repeat. Hey, 
Welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonnie, and today I'm speaking with Dominique Browning of the Moms Clean Air Force. Before the break, we were talking about all of the sort of specifics that are related to chemicals and toxins that are present within the design industry and with all industry that are affecting us in terms of clean air. And one of the things I thought was so interesting that Dominique brought up in our discussion the other week was how this sort of larger issue of women's political power relates to the clean air issues she's concerned about. Dominique, could you explain a little bit about how you think this connects to women and their ability to be powerful and make a difference within their own government? One of my favorite subjects, and yours too. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I don't think we realize, we women realize how strong we are, how much power we have. Nobody in Washington wants to make a mother angry. Nobody wants to get on the wrong side of a vocal, demanding group of women. But we don't use that power enough. And that's one of my biggest goals. I mean, I almost feel like here I am back to where I was when I was 15 years old in the 70s as a young feminist um, saying, you know, we want equal rights. Um, now, once again, I'm working with women, many of whom, and, my, and I include myself, many of whom felt kind of hopeless about the size of these problems and who cares about one voice and it's such a big country and such a big government. The fact is, we're now realizing that when senators start to hear from a lot of the women who will or will not vote for them, they really notice. Um, we have to start using that power more and more and aiming it for big change. I think that's so interesting. I mean, I, I'm someone who sort of feels that way a lot of the time because I can get a little overwhelmed by all of the things that I think are targeted towards women that we should be paying attention to, and there are obviously so many facets of government that relate to women and our rights and our voices, and this is such an interesting one. And the name of your group, and sort of in talk, talking about mom, people with children, but I think it relates so much to people without children. How do you think this sort of ties in as an issue for people who don't have kids but are still interested in being You know, I, I always say do it in honor of your mom. You know, it's really... <laughs> The the use of mom is really a way to signify uh, women and children and human health. Um, But women and children, because of, uh, well, children because of their tiny size and women because of our reproductive issues, you know, we are, we have different responses to chemicals, to air pollution, to neurotoxins, to all kinds of things. And so we, we are a special group that needs to fight for our rights because nobody else is doing it. And once you start making the connection between air and your health, it's really hard to turn back. And and there's only one way to get clean air, and that is to fight for it in in governmental ways. But let me give you an example. When Mm -hmm. I was pregnant, I was told not to eat tuna fish because of high mercury content. And, in fact, a lot of people have cut way back on their tuna consumption and large fish consumption because of mercury. Mercury is a very powerful neurotoxin. And if you're pregnant, the reason mercury matters so much is that it crosses the blood-brain barrier and goes into the baby's brain. What I never knew until a couple of years ago is the reason that fish has mercury in it is air pollution. It comes from coal-fired power plants. And it is completely controllable. 
these plants could put scrubbers on to get rid of the mercury so that it doesn't rain into the water and get eaten by fish and go up the food chain, but a lot of them won't do it. A lot have, but a lot won't. So that, that was like my aha moment. Like, wow, air is affecting food and air pollution is going into something I'm putting into my body. And, you know, that, that for me made the connection between health and air pollution issues that goes all the way up the scale to climate change, um, which is the number one problem facing all of us. Um, and, you know, I, I think you have to pick your, your passions. And um, I, so I've focused on, on air pollution because it touches our lives in so many different ways. I think it's so interesting that you're really tying this in to sort of a holistic view of, of good living, and I think it was related to the tagline back at Health and Garden Magazine, and it's something that so many of us in the design industry are so concerned with, it's just the sort of holistic view of every aspect of our lives being as sort of pure and well-chosen and curated as possible. And you see it from top to bottom in, like, the food industry, for example, and people are hyper, hyper aware of where their meat comes from, what it eats, like what the environmental conditions were there, and they're so, so concerned about organic. And if you don't see yet that same sort of passion and inquiry put into the design industry. And I think it's so fascinating that we haven't really trickled all the way down to that holistic view in terms of design. What do you think it is that's going to make the difference for your average design consumer to start paying attention in that really detailed way? Because I feel like your average consumer who loves design is already looking at, like, where their food comes from, but nobody seems to apply that same sort of, like, farm-to-table mentality to design. Well, um, actually, I think, I think Design Sponge does a fabulous job of highlighting designers who are thinking that way. Um, all the small, uh, small organizations that are crafting furniture of reclaimed wood and making, you know, weaving textiles and they know where things are coming from, they know where their dyes are coming, that kind of thing, that's enormous and there's a huge movement and you're in it every single day, so, but from where I sit a little further away now, I see that that is something that's really growing and it trickles up. So that you have places like Restoration Hardware talking about using reclaimed railroad ties and reclaimed pine from old barns and reclaimed wood in Restoration Hardware furniture. That's incredible. Um, so, you know, this, the mentality of not wasting and of knowing where things are coming from, I think that is beginning to get into the design world more and more. But... What's really going to make a difference is for all of us saying to the places we buy furniture from and for, to our fabric purveyors and all the rest of it saying, you know, we want clean stuff. We want stuff that doesn't have toxic chemicals in it. We want change. Um, I think that's, that's going to really make a big difference. One of the, uh, I want to ask you about this, and this may be difficult to answer because I don't know if, if we really know the answer to this yet, but you mentioned it briefly when you're talking about how we end up paying more for things that have things taken out of them. And we're obviously, I think, very used to that in terms of like organic vegetables and produce and the price for those is so much higher than non-organic things. And I think that same pricing structure is in some ways naturally applied to furniture and design items that follow those same rules, things that are handmade, things that are hand-dyed, that are done naturally end up costing way more. 
do you think there's at some point going to be a way for that price structure to even out so that everyone can afford things that go in their home that are less toxic and more natural? Or do you think that's going to be something that people get used to, which is saving up to invest in things that are less dangerous? No, great. I do, Grace, think it's going to change, and I think that's why the Walmart example is so exciting. Um, and Target mm-hmm. also announced an initiative to pay attention to sustainable practices in the production of its goods. Um, now, we have to make sure this isn't greenwashing. We have to stay on mm-hmm. them and ask to see the results. But when you start getting movement at that scale, that's when prices start to change, uh, you know, and because of the volume. Um, and so I, I do think things are going to be changing pretty radically, but it's going ch- to take a long time. And the thing is that Moms Clean Air Force, we're very, very concerned with everyone's health and the impact of these things on our health. And so, you know, we're all racing for the, co- for the cure for cancers and um, as well we should be. But we also need to be thinking about the causes and we need to be stepping back from the toxicity that we have around us and, and demanding change there too. So interesting. We're just about out of time, but I want to ask you one last question, which is what are you hoping that people will take away from this today? If they're just learning about your group and about these issues for the first time, What are you hoping they'll take away with them, and how can people start to make a difference and get involved? Mom's Clean Air Force is all about using your voice. Find your voice, come online, use your power, and demand change, because we do have a lot of strength, and we're providing a lot of information, a lot of educational materials, a lot of stuff for people to learn about, but then we have to step up and take action. And it's not frightening. It's actually very empowering and very, very important. And, you know, I, I just, I think the most important message I have is step up and have your voice be heard because you can really make a difference uh, for for all of our lives. So great! Thank you so good? much for. <laughs> I think that's great. You have. I know that you've always, for me, been someone who's inspired me to really find my voice and to trust it and to feel strong enough to put it out there. So thank you for inspiring me at that level. But I think you've just done a really great deal of work to inspire all the rest of us listening to get out there and have our voices heard. So thank you so much for all the work you're doing. Um, and thank you to everybody thank for listening. You. you can visit Dominique at DominiqueBrowning.com. You can read her excellent blog, Slow Love Life, at SlowLoveLife.com. And most importantly, you can visit, sign up, and get more information about the Moms Clean Air Force at MomsCleanAirForce.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.